Today we're continuing our mailbag segment with some more real life scenarios to talk through. We're gonna talk about miscommunication with an employer on who buys the malpractice insurance, insurance options for telemedicine groups, and how to get up and running quickly for new grad practice owners. Stay tuned. Welcome to Malpractice Insights, the show dedicated to helping healthcare professionals understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. My name is Jennifer Wiggins, CEO of Aegis Malpractice Solutions, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. All right, let's jump in. Our first question in the mailbag today says, I am a dermatology resident and I plan on opening my own practice after I finish up training. I've been told that the credentialing process takes several months and I need to have proof of malpractice insurance before I can even get set up with the payers. The problem is I don't even have a building yet and it will be several more months before I actually open my doors. How do I handle this from a med mal perspective? Okay, so we're getting a lot of these lately. Lots of new grads, lots of fellows and residents getting ready to start their own private practice, which is a really exciting time. But malpractice insurance can be a little tricky. So here are a few things for this provider to be thinking about. So first of all, you can absolutely start shopping around for malpractice insurance and you can go ahead and get pre-approved for coverage and get yourself proof of coverage like a certificate of insurance or something to have in hand so that you can go ahead and get the process started with credentialing and get the payers everything that they need but you don't have to actually turn on the policy until closer to the time when you're actually going to open up your doors. So we actually do this quite often. So um, normally malpractice insurance carriers will only approve an application or bind coverage 90 days before the policy is set to start. But if you need something sooner than those 90 days, usually what we'll do is we'll still have a provider fill out an application and get everything reviewed and get something formally approved. But again, we won't bind it until we're closer to that start date. But what that allows us to do is basically get you multiple quote options from all of the various carriers. At that point in time, you can decide if you want occurrence or claims made. You can shop around the various different limits and figure out which one's the right fit for you. And you can pick the carrier that you want to move forward with, get that proof of insurance in hand. Again, then we'll wait until we're within that 90 day window and officially start the policy later on. So that's what I would recommend. One other thing I'll make note of with this particular request, they said that they don't have their building yet. So the malpractice carriers will need an actual practice location, like an address, in order to use for rating purposes. But if you don't have a location specifically nailed down yet, you at least need to know what city and state you're going to be practicing in. So sometimes what we'll do is we'll have providers actually use their home address on the application, and then we'll just tell the carriers that the, at the office is pending. Um, the most important thing, again, is that they know where the office will be located, so that way they can make sure they rate it in the proper territory territory. So that would be my suggestion. Um, don't wait to get that process started, but do see if you can get a pre-approval so that you can get the coverage, um, proof of coverage that you need to get that credentialing process started because it does take quite some time. I've heard that it's just getting worse and worse. So start that sooner rather than later. Okay, our second question in the mailbag says, 
Hi, Jennifer. I'm considering starting a telemedicine tech platform that would allow doctors to contract through us to offer remote care services across the country. What kind of malpractice insurance options would be best for this type of setup? Most of the providers would only be working part-time. Okay, so this is a doctor that I just talked to, I think, yesterday. And this is a really interesting opportunity. So, you know, having an online telemedicine platform where providers can actually just contract to use your services in your platform and then offer care wherever they're located is great. And it's obviously needed in today's day and age. So what's the best way to cover this from a malpractice perspective? Well, there's really two options and two ways you can go about doing it. The first option is you can have each provider get their own individual malpractice insurance. Now, what I actually recommended to this specific provider was that we set them up on an actual group policy so that way they can get the benefit of group pricing. So, you know, you're going to get a cheaper rate as a group than you would if you were just priced as an individual. So I had suggested we set it up as a group, but still have each individual provider get their own coverage. The benefit of that would be that each individual can still get their own policy. It would be broad form coverage, so it would cover them for the work that they do for the telemedicine company, but then it would also give them coverage if they wanted to do anything else on the side. So it would be their own policy in their own name. They would pay their own premium, but they would still be able to do whatever they wanted to do in addition to working for the telemedicine company if they wanted. The other benefit is from an administrative perspective, the owner of this Telerad company or telemedicine um, company doesn't need to do anything. So each individual doctor would still be responsible for filling out their own application, paying their own premium, managing their own coverage. But again, they get the benefit of getting that group rate because they would all get one carrier that would offer them a discounted price. So that would be option number one. The second option I think that you can consider with something like this is like a slot policy. So slot policies are kind of a more sophisticated insurance vehicle, but what it is, it, is it allows a practice to basically buy a slot for a specific specialty designation in a specific territory. For example, if you're a telemedicine company and you're going to have primary care providers, let's say you're going to have one primary care in Wisconsin, you're going to have one primary care in Texas, you're going to have one in Florida. You could buy a slot for one primary care in each of those specific states and then you pay the appropriate premium for that designated slot. Now any doctor who fits that demographic can fill that slot at any given time. So the nice thing about something like this is you can have providers come and go. So you could have one family practice guy occupy one slot for, you know, 12 months and then rotate out and then have another person fill in and take the next slot. But you're still paying the premium for that slot regardless of who's occupying it. So it is a little bit easier to have people come and go. But slot policies, again, are a little more sophisticated and not every insurance carrier offers them. So it's a little bit harder to get something like that set up. But it is an interesting solution for something like a telemedicine organization like what this doctor is trying to put together because it would allow him to have people come and go a little bit more freely. So again, option one would be have each carrier get their own. Option two would be to do something more like a slot policy or something to allow people to interact a little bit more freely. All right, our third question in the mailbag today says, hello, I am a neurologist in Louisiana and I have a bit of a problem. The group that I've been contracting with told me that they'd take care of my malpractice insurance. 
I assumed that meant they would be buying me coverage or adding me to their policy. I just recently found out that wasn't the case. Apparently, I was supposed to have obtained my own policy and they would have reimbursed me. I've now been uninsured for over two years. What are my options? So I just talked to this doctor today and this is a really unfortunate situation. And, you know, the reality is this happens more likely than, I mean, more often than I think people even realize because, you know, you join a practice and you assume that the malpractice is covered or it's, it's vaguely talked about in your contract negotiations and you have so many other things on your plate. It's very, very common for something like this to, this to get overlooked. But the problem is there's really not a lot of ways to fix it if it's been going on for a long, long time. So this particular doctor has been uninsured for over two years. So today when we talked, we were trying to figure out any possible solutions and the answer is there really aren't any. Because most malpractice insurance carriers aren't willing to backdate it for that amount of time. I mean, maybe you could get a carrier that would backdate it 60, 90 days, maybe even four or five months if you had some really good reason why it wasn't purchased. But anything more than that is just a really long putt. I mean, I've never really even seen a carrier do anything more than six months, certainly not more than a year, and I've definitely never seen anybody go back two years. So I don't think it's possible to have anybody pick up a new policy and even pick up retro coverage two years back. So what are the options for this doctor? Well, the only other possible solution for something like this would be to try to find a carrier that can do a standalone tail. Now, again, this is another far putt because standalone tail policies generally are only offered if the doctor was previously insured. So like if you need to just buy a tail because you're shopping around, you're trying to get a cheaper option than what's currently being offered. But a standalone tail over a gapped period of time is going to be really hard to find. So one thing we might possibly be able to do for this doctor is he certainly needs to get new coverage ASAP because he's currently um, uncovered. So if we could find a new carrier that could pick him up at the earliest possible date, it might be possible for them to offer him a standalone tail after he's been insured for a period of time. So maybe he can carry the insurance for a year and then buy a standalone tail or something like that. But again, it's just going to be a really, really long stretch because this is something that the longer it goes, the more risk it is to the carriers. And usually nobody wants to pick something like that up. So we're going to do our best to try to find a solution for this doctor. But the reality is when it's been that much time far gone, it's going to be very, very difficult to find a coverage solution. So unfortunately, he may end up with a two-year gap in his record. So the best thing he can possibly do is to find new insurance as quickly as possible. And if we can remedy the situation, we obviously will. If not, he'll have to just be really careful and cross his fingers that nothing comes in during those last two years. If you have any questions on these topics or you want to make sure that you're covered appropriately, click the link in the description box below where you can connect with us via phone, email, or chat today. And if you're listening, please visit us online at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. And don't forget that our mailbag link is now live on our website. So if you have a question that you'd like me to answer here on the podcast, check out the link below where you can drop us a line and ask your question or schedule a quick 10 minute phone call for a personal consultation to discuss your unique insurance needs. This is Jennifer Wiggins. Thanks for joining us.